whenever we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's interesting how even the Holy Spirit puts those chapters together sometimes. But it's 1 Corinthians 12, we saw the, the identification of the various types of, of gifts, at least my interpretation of that. I, I feel that there are three types of gifts, the motivational gifts, who we are. The ministry gifts is what we do. And the manifestation gifts are what happens whenever we exercise our gifts. Do we have all, has everybody got a copy? Marcella, do you not have a copy? Does anybody else need a copy? I see. Hope everybody has a copy. All right. So we've been focusing on the different types of gift, and we're focusing primarily now on what we call the motivational gifts. The motivational gifts are who we are. Motivational gifts are are what God birthed inside of us when we got saved. The Holy Spirit came to indwell us, and when He came to indwell us, He gifted us with a motivation of how we're going to do things, how we're going to see things, how we're going to look at it. And and that motivation is going to be with us all of our lives. That's not going to change. I, I believe that. I believe we have one motivation. We function out of that, and we're going to do that all of our lives. Now, as we grow spiritually, I've told you that other motivational qualities and gifts should be in our life. Hopefully, the more we mature, the more difficult it is for people to identify who we are and what our motivational gift is because we're becoming more like Jesus every day. And Jesus is the perfect example of every gift. So if we become more like Jesus, we're going to have all of those gifts somehow, somehow expressed, in some way expressed in our lives. But we're still going to have that one motivation. That one motivation that is our primary gift. And so we're in the midst of, of looking at those motivational gifts and trying to help you to identify yourself. Already some people have identified themselves and we've just been through two. People have been able to say, aha, <laughs> aha, that's, that's, that's me, that's who I am. Not because we practiced it, not because we planned it, not because that, but just because that's who God made us to be. We've looked already at the, at the motivational gift of prophecy, the aptitude to speak. Remember, it's the aptitude to speak and, and is the foretelling, not foretelling, but the foretelling of God's word and God's will, which sometimes has foretelling in the midst of it. We broke that down and, and Janice has some of those extra copies. We want everybody to get a copy of each one of those things. We also are taping these sessions so that you can... Listen to that as well if you miss one. But we want everybody to have a copy of each one of those gifts and those qualities or characteristics. And what basically do is telling you the aptitude for it will tell you what the characteristics are, the difficulties, misunderstanding, problems of it, and, and sometimes it can give you a biblical example of that. First was prophecy. Last week was what? Was service. That's right, the motivational gift of service. The aptitude is to help. I want to help. Wherever there's a need, I'm willing to help. And that's the aptitude of the servant. The third of those is found here in Romans chapter 6. We're going through that list because, I mean, Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Romans 12 is the list of those seven motivational gifts. It says there in verse 6, it says, let each exercise them accordingly. Talking about the gifts. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, and the third that we're talking about tonight, are he who teaches 
in his teaching. He who teaches in his teaching. Tonight, we're talking about the motivational gift of the teacher, of teacher. Now, I've shared with you before, and I want to just say that before we ever get started in the characteristics. Remember, there are motivational gifts, and then there are ministry gifts. Uh, You may be teaching in Sunday school right now, or you may have a ministry of teaching in the church or in the kingdom of God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the gift of teaching. You may have the gift of prophecy, and you're teaching Sunday school. Or you may have the gift of service, and you're teaching Sunday school. You may have any of those gifts, administration, any of those, mercy, giving, all of those can all teach the ministry, or have the ministry of teaching in church, in the kingdom. But the motivational gift of a teacher is distinctly different from any of those other gifts, and therefore will approach Bible study and teaching different from anyone else. So tonight we're looking not at the ministry of teaching, we're looking at the motivational gift of teaching, all right? The motivational gift of teaching on your paper, the aptitude is to know. That is the aptitude. Now, the prophet's aptitude is what? To what? To speak, all right? Or to vocalize, to share. The servant's aptitude was what? To help. Well, the teacher's aptitude is to know. They want to know. They want to learn something, all right? They get a joy of that. Look at definition. It's the dasco, which means the systematic study of biblical truths given by the Holy Spirit. Every one of those words are important. A systematic study, all right? They're going to have some system of how they're going to study, how they're going to put together, how they're going to organize And what are they going to study? The Bible. The biblical truths given by who? Given by the Holy Spirit. These people love the Word of God. They love the Word of God. They love to study the Word of God. The joy of their life is to get into the Word. All right? Get into the Word. Look at at the description. They have a greater joy in researching and discovering truth than in presenting it. They delight in studying the Bible. Now, let me give you a comparison. Let's let's compare them to the prophet. I told you when we went through the motivational gift of prophecy that whenever the prophets study, the prophets in there in in their study and they discover something, what's the prophet got to do? The prophet's got to get up from his desk or her desk or wherever, and they got to go tell somebody. I mean, the joy of their life is, I know, I learned something. I've learned something. Now, I, wanted, I, I just got to tell you what I learned. You know, you know what I've learned? This is what I've learned. And, and you got to speak it. You got to say it. Matter, matter of fact, the prophet's greatest joy is to be able to speak and to share what they've learned. And whenever they've shared what they've learned, then they run back and try to learn something else and suddenly go share something else. But the joy of it is to share. That's not the teacher. Now, for me, from a prophetic motivational gift, I don't really understand teachers sometimes. You, you, you know what teachers do? They just study and they love to learn it and know it. And They don't even care if they tell anybody. <laughs> they don't, they, it doesn't matter if they tell anybody. They're just glad to know it. Just, they just enjoy knowing it. Do you understand that? I, I can't even grasp that. I mean, why do you want to know it if you can't tell somebody? You know? 
But the teacher is that way. They enjoy studying God's Word. They enjoy understanding what it says and what it means and how it applies. That's their joy. That's their joy. Second thing, they believe that their gift is the most important gift because it is the foundational gift of, of all other gifts. Now, now, hold on a second. If you have the spiritual gift of teaching, you, we're going to get into that in just a minute. But you have to be real careful that you're not prideful. Okay? That you're not proud. Because you really think that your gift's the most important gift. Why is your gift the most important? Because the Bible is the most important book. And everything we do as a Christian is based on the book. And the more that you know the book, the better off you are and the better Christian you're going to be. And therefore, those of us who are the teachers, we're studying more than everybody else who's running around serving, they're not talking, running, doing everything else, giving and doing all this stuff. But we're in the Word. And us being in the Word is very, very important. It's the foundation of everything we do. That's why teachers... Can, now, some of you look at me like, you don't know who I am. Well, you might not be a motivational gift of teacher. You just might be a teacher who's have some other gift. But a teacher knows what I'm talking about. If they've ever, de other de ever dealt with other teachers, they know what they're, I'm talking about for sure. Okay? Look, look at the third thing. They feel a personal responsibility to test the knowledge of those who teach them. Bless their hearts. <laughs> you know, I told you, we profit sometimes. We, we, we're, wanting to find, we're wanting to find something that validates and proof texts what we believe. Well, we're trying to find something. We're going to find a little bit, and then we're going to go run and talk about it, tell about it. Not the teacher. teacher knows every detail. Of it. And you know what they do? Bless their little heart. They're going to come up whenever the prophets are preaching or somebody else preaching. They're going to come and say, would you mind asking me, are you answering me this, uh, where did you get that? The Bible. What do you mean, where did I get I got that from the Bible. Where in the Bible did you get that? They will, I'm telling you, I told you, first church I pastored was out in the country, okay? I mean, I had more cows around me than people. Where I learned to preach, start with, was cows. Man, cows think I preach great. Even to this day, my cows think I preach great. As long as you feed them, they love you, and they will listen. Far better than Baptist, listen. But, but out here in the middle of the country, uh, you know, you think there's nobody going to be educated. Nobody going to be. Well, bless my little heart. I start my first church, and I'm preaching. And, you know, we, a lot of times whenever you get started, you got a lot more smoke than you do fire. You know what I mean by that? I mean, you just, you just, you, they're laying it out there as hard as you can. You, you don't used to preaching three times a week anyway. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Man, that's a, that's a burden to get all that stuff ready. So you're not always totally prepared. Well, bless my heart, the piano player, she was a teacher. I'm talking about she had the spiritual gift of teaching. Her joy was to spend about... Her husband was very wealthy and everything, and she didn't have to work outside the home. Her joy was to spend eight hours a day in her library studying the Bible. Yeah, all right, yeah. She had certain teachers that she thought were the greatest teachers in the world. You'll understand that, I mean, and that they knew all theology. And, and, as, and when I'm preaching, I'm up here preaching, and she's right there. I can see her to this day. Her name was Brenda. I can still see her. I dream about her sometimes, matter of fact. <laughs> she's sitting right there, 
And, and whenever you're, you're preaching hard, you know, and you can't help but looking, I look down at Brenda, and Brenda's like, <laughs> you know, and I knew, I knew what was coming. I knew what was coming. As soon as the message was over, she's coming to me. Would you mind telling me where you got that? <laughs> From the Bible. And I, I dreaded, I mean, the Sunday she was out, I got to relax. I'm not kidding, yeah. But let me tell you about her. She was right on cue. She didn't have her theology all right. It wasn't, you know, not all right. But she, she knew the Bible, and she knew where you were supposed to be in the Bible. She knew what was happening in the Bible. And she's sitting right there. That, those years of her sitting right there made me a far better preacher. I know what some of you are thinking. Boy, you must have really been bad <laughs> if you're better because of that. But... <laughs> She made me a far better preacher because I knew I had to know what I knew and where it came from because I was going to have to validate it with her. And that's the way teachers are. If some of you have ever taught a Sunday school class and you had a teacher in your class who's not the teacher, you know what I'm talking about. Because they're going to say, would you explain that again? Or where did you get that from? Or what commentary? That's not the commentary I read. And then many people say, well, I hope they're not here next Sunday. <laughs> because why? Because they're going, they're going to study God's Word. They're going to do it. And they, and they feel a responsibility to test the knowledge of everybody else. What do you know? It makes us better. It makes you better. It does. Look at four emphasizes the accuracy of words and the proper context of scriptural illustrations. All right? Now, they are a stickler for words. If that's what the word... What did that word mean? Stick with whatever the word means. They prefer biblical illustrations over just illustrations off the wall. They think, really, the valid illustrations to the Bible are scriptural or biblical illustrations. And they're going to try to stick with that as best they can. In other words, they believe the best commentary of the Bible is the Bible, which is true. Best commentary for the Bible is other passages in the Bible. But they're going to want to know the context of it. In other words, you don't just pull that out. You don't pull that verse out of context. They want to know. Now, when that verse was said, what did they mean when they said that verse? What was being said by that? Well, it'll make you think, won't it? That's why I tell anybody, I've told you before, how to identify paragraphs in your Bible. You remember how that, how to identify a paragraph in your Bible? This means yes. This means no. And, and, and if you don't know, you just don't know. Okay, you know how to, you know how to do it in your Bible? You got it on your phone, don't you? Yeah, in your phone. Okay. In your Bible, I don't know how they do it on phone. I'm not tech savvy. <laughs> But in your Bible, your, your, your Bible is going to identify how you identify a paragraph. Some of it's going to be bold numbers. Some of it's going to be paragraph indentions. Some of it's going to be paragraph sign. It, it, it's somewhat, you need to find out the paragraphs in your Bible. Why? In case the teacher comes. <laughs> because the minimal context that you need Whenever you're trying to put something in context, the minimal context you need is that it's in a paragraph. That paragraph carries the same thought, right? So you, so you don't split the paragraph. You at least have that. A teacher will make you find the paragraph. 
will make you find the context of where you are. All right? So you need to know that. You need to know what, what the minimal context is. Five. They enjoy gathering facts and giving details while having a dislike for subjective truth. Now, people who have the gift of teaching, they, they have struggles with topical preachers. They really do. They, they struggle with topical preaching. You know, I've explained to you topical preaching before. Topical preaching is where you just take this topic and you talk about it. You talk about the topic and you have... You try to get a verse over here that goes with this verse and that verse. That drives a teacher crazy. They can't. Because they think you're making it up. You know, it's, just, it's not. Just take the Bible. Just preach us the Bible. Teach us the Bible. Don't, 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 we don't need all your words and all your illustrations and all those little things that are cute. We just need for you to teach the Bible. That's their approach. Topical preach, preachers will drive them crazy. All right? They want to know what the Bible says. They believe in the validity of the Bible. Right? Six, they present truth systematically with a primary emphasis upon what the Bible says. Now, I can give you a, per, a great example of a preacher that you know well who has the gift of teaching. Y'all, any of y'all ever heard of a guy named Charles Stanley? Any of y'all know him? He's a, he's a little preacher that was over there in Atlanta. Y'all might not know him. Charles Stanley is a total preacher who's a teacher. Now why? Because he's going to present things so systematically. I mean, this is Charles Stanley. I want to give you the ten things. (laughs) I want to give you the ten list. And you go one, two, three, four, five through ten. Now they're biblically based. They're based on what Scripture says. But he's going to identify. He doesn't give you two points or three points in a poem. He's going to give you five points. He's going to give you seven points. He's going to give you ten points. But it's all going to be in a systematic form of where you can grab and hold because he's, he is a preaching teacher. That's what he does. And, and that's what's going to happen here. I want you to skip over there to the biblical example I give to you of a teacher. And I give you, I give you the person who? Down at the bottom on the right page. Matthew, if you want to find a teacher, one who has the gift of teaching, in in the Bible, it's Matthew. Because why? Because Matthew writes his gospel totally different than any of the others write their gospel. He writes their gospel as a didactic lesson. Didactic comes from up here in Didasco, which means to the systematic study. Didactic means it's a teaching tool. And when Matthew puts his gospel together, he puts it all together in a systematic way to explain who Jesus is. He does not do it chronologically. He does it systematically. That's why, if you ever want to look at the Sermon on the Mount, if you go to some of the gospels, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount will be in one place, and another portion of what Jesus said of the Sermon on the Mount will be at another place. But not with Matthew... If you want the Sermon on the Mount in its totality, it is from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. That's the whole, that's the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. Why do you do that? Because he put it systematically together so it was easy for them to learn and grasp. Matthew's a teacher. Versus Mark or John or Luke. They did it totally different. 
Well, what about the problems or misunderstandings? That sometimes helps us more. It says, sometimes they can become overcome with pride because of the knowledge they have. Now, if you have the gift of teaching, you're just going to have to pray for God to keep you humble. All right? Because whenever you know knowledge, look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Somebody read that for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Who's got it? Knowledge does what? Knowledge puffs up. So whenever we, our, our very giftedness is to get more knowledge and to know more and more, we're going to know more than most people if I'm a teacher. And if I'm not careful, my knowledge of the Word can cause me to be prideful. And, and, and that I, I know more than other people. That I, My insight to that is different from other people. And you've got to be real careful that you not become prideful because you can be full of knowledge and useless because you're full of pride. And you've got to be aware of that. Look at two. Sometimes neglect, neglect the practical applications of Scripture because of their approach to study. They fail to read the word for enjoyment meanings. Uh-oh, I about lost myself there. Okay. One of the things, if you are a teacher, please do this, practice this. Just read the Bible for fun because teachers don't really approach it that way. They've got to study it all the time. They've got to study it, and they've got to look into the details and what does that word mean and where does that context happen and what's the syntax of that word. And, all. and man, they're just in here, and they, they've got volumes, volumes written over these verses there. No, it's sometimes just read it for fun. Just read it devotionally. Just read it quickly and, and don't, don't think great things about it. Just, just let God speak to you sometimes. Teachers sometimes have a hard time doing that. They, they don't want to read it practically. They don't want to read it simply. They don't want to enjoy it. Because they have a difficult time in practical application. What does that mean? The Bible is a Bible that helps you know how to live. It's not for us to, to be able to memorize just so we can be able to quote it back. It's to help you know how to live. And if your knowledge of the Bible doesn't cause you to live differently, then you've missed a very important aspect of the Bible. That we're supposed to be practical in how we live, not just know it. Look at three. Sometimes they may rely on the facts of their research more than the anointing of the Holy Spirit in teaching. Now that can be very, very true in teaching. The fact of it is, if you are knowledgeable and you know the word and you're depending more on your research, more on your knowledge, more on your study than you are the Holy Spirit, then where you're aiming at, you're aiming at the mind of man. At the mind of man. But the mind of man is not where your target's supposed to be. The heart of man is where your target's supposed to be. The heart of man is where people are changed, where people are transformed. So we're not trying to, we're not trying to hit their mind we're trying to hit their heart. And the way we hit their heart is, is not because we have enough knowledge to impress, but because we have the anointing of God that does a mighty transformation. 
I've told people before that there are two great challenges to teaching and preaching God's Word. One is to prepare the message. The bigger challenge is to prepare the messenger. All right? The message is easy compared to the messenger that God can use to anoint that which he studied to transform lives. If all we're doing is impressing people with our knowledge and their minds, we're doing nothing. If we're not touching their hearts and something's not happening in their lives. And, and as a teacher, you've got to be aware of that. You've got to be aware of that. Look at four. May appear to lack warmth and feeling when speaking and imparting truth. They think that everyone should be excited about the truth in the same way that they are. If you want to write a little note by that, sometimes, not, all, not always, I just told you Charles Stanley is a great teacher, but sometimes teachers are boring. They're, they're just boring. And you know why they're boring? Because they think that you ought to be just excited about the knowledge that they've gained and they're sharing with you as, you, as, as they are. You ought to be that excited about it. And, and, and you're not. <laughs> you, you're, you need somebody to motivate you, to want you to learn that, to grasp that, some, give you some life and help you along the way. Teachers don't understand that. They just think that, man, I'm excited about it. You ought to be excited about it. Some of you school teachers, have any of you ever run across that with any of your students? Uh-huh. I see those heads going down everywhere. I see those. Now, I'm not saying that you're a boring teacher. Not a, I know you're the quality teachers we've got around. But isn't it true that whenever you're teaching your kids whatever you're teaching them, sometimes you have to get them motivated to want to learn what you're trying to teach them. You have to get them motivated to actually want to hear and to learn. What you're saying is very important, but you've got to get them motivated. Same way with teaching God's Word. Don't be, don't be boring. Don't let God's Word ever be boring. Maybe intimidating, five, maybe intimidating to others who try to teach because of the testing of the knowledge of the teacher. They can be intimidating. I just shared that with you. And, and sometimes people don't want to teach. No, I'm not going to tell No, I'm not going to teach you. No, not, are, I'll teach class. Are they going to be there? <laughs> Are they going to be in the class? <laughs> if they're not going to be there, I'll teach. Don't be that way. I, people do that way sometimes with, with me, and, I, and I'm certainly not intimidating about that. I, you know, I say, oh, I'd like to come to class. No, I'm not. You're coming to my class. I want you to come to my class while I'm teaching. Why? 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 We, ought to, we, we can all learn from everybody, can't we? Everybody's got truth. Well, teacher can be intimidating if they let them be. Look at six. Once they adopt a certain interpretation to a passage, they can be rigid and unresponsive to an alternate interpretation. Now, if you're a teacher and you have the gift teach, you need to put a star by that, okay? And what that simply means is once you've studied and once you've gotten your, your idea and your model together of what it's supposed to be like, don't mess up my model. I, I, I got it together and don't mess it up. Don't question it. I, I, I like what I, I've got together. Don't be that way. We're all growing, amen? We're all growing. I, I, hope that you don't, I hope that you haven't arrived yet. I hope you're still needing to grow and that God's going to teach you and God's going to let you 
see and understand things differently as you go. But if you get caught up to where you say, well, I studied that, and when I studied all that, I know all there is to know about that. And this is what I'm holding to, and I'm not changing my mind. You're going to miss out on some things. Because I, I, do, do you feel about everything the same way you felt about it 20 years ago? No, hopefully not. Hopefully you've grown, matured, you've seen things differently. You've walked, experienced their life, you've come to understand God's word better. So be careful that you don't grab hold of some interpretation because we like, what we like is we like to feel comfortable with what we know. We like to put it in a box. And I got my box, and just don't mess up my box. Don't be that way. Be open. Look at the ultimate benefit to the body of Christ. The teachers, they have the responsibility to keep us grounded in the Bible. Thank God for that. We don't want to ever get away from the Bible. Amen? They must challenge us when we move away from established and fundamental principles of the faith. They'll keep us in line of where we ought to be in good theology. They must remind us that our sole authority for life and action is the Word of God. And who helps us do that? The teacher. Thank God for teacher. I was joking, in some ways joking, about Brenda, you know, but I, I will tell you what, there's, there's not hardly a, a week goes by that I don't think about Brenda. Somehow, in some way, I think about Brenda. And I thank God that early in my ministry, early in my ministry, God put a teacher right there under my nose to challenge me that whatever I was going to say, I knew where I said it from. Or I could give a validation of that. Now, does that mean that everything I preached was right from that point on? No. But at least I knew where I'd gotten it from or where I thought it was at that particular time. Amen? doesn't mean that I'm, I'm right. I'm still not right about everything anywhere and anytime. None of us are. About it. But we are growing. And those teachers help us to grow. They help to keep us in the Word. And anytime you're, if you're a gifted teacher and you want to come up and challenge me, uh, now, I don't, I don't really argue God's word about that. I mean, it's kind of like one preacher said when he, he preached and this person came up to him and said, well, why don't you explain that to me? He said, I don't explain it, I just preach it. <laughs> I explain it, I just preach it. Well, I hope it wouldn't be to that degree, but anytime you have questions, anytime there's a teacher that God's gifted you in that, with that gift and stuff and you need to ask questions, you want to know where that's from, Never, never hesitate to challenge me or any other pastor or any other teacher. So we make sure we stay sharp. We make sure we know where it comes from. We're not making it up on the run, right? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for teachers who help us to be better, keep us in the Word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.